Hello folks, welcome to the last episode of Series 3 of the RLS podcast, episode 30. Um, basically been running this since like November last year, it was like November the 21st, um, and we're 30 episodes in, and yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it's went, and I just wanted to have like a little overview of, of the podcast to start off with, and then we'll kind of jump into the topic that we're going to be speaking about today. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think the podcast has went pretty well, um, it's not it's not taking over the world. It's not blowing any numbers out of the water, but um, I'm pretty happy with the effect that it's had and the response that I've, I've been able to get off of people. Um, for a lot of feedback off people that have basically like learned new things, people that have been like prompted to actually take action in their life. Um, and yeah, people have basically said that it's it's had a positive effect. So even if that's like, as I say, I say this all the time and it's, it's quite easy to say, but sometimes you might think that people don't mean it when they say this, but like if it's had an effect on like, five people then then it's a success in my eyes um and obviously from a business point of view it has allowed me to kind of just market myself a little bit more and actually speak on a deeper level because like on a real on a reel on instagram you can only speak for like 90 seconds on a story you can pretty much speak on like well you can speak for as long as you want on an instagram story but it's, it's totally broken up by having to film the video so i think a podcast is is a much better way of really getting yourself across um but I just want to try and get it out there a little bit more into the next season. So I'm going to try and get some really big guests on. I'm going to try. I know I keep saying this and I have got a couple of decent guests on, but I want to really get like more than a couple of decent guests. All my guests have been really good, but I want like, I want to make the podcast explode and I won't give up on it until I do manage to do that because I think there is a much wider group of people that could be benefiting from listening to me speak absolute shite over a half an hour period. Um, so that's the kind of that's the overview just now. I'm obviously in the midst of moving house, so that's probably going to take up a lot of time over the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to take like a couple of two to three week break after series three, and then I'm going to come back with a series four. So hopefully that gives me a couple of weeks to organise some guests to come on and to generally just set up a little bit more of a better setup, other than. Like there's a lot of distraction from dogs barking. There's a lot of distraction from the postie. There's a lot of distractions from tractors driving past my house. Um, so hopefully we can avoid that in the in the new place and hopefully we can get things running. So what I wanted to speak about today was, again, another kind of short and sharp topic of the differences between training in the off-season, in pre-season, and then in-season, and how you basically deal with managing load over a season and how do you continue to keep your, how do you keep progressing in the gym? How do you keep getting stronger? How do you keep yourself in shape while still trying to train for football? And again, you can apply this to rugby as well. You can apply this to any team sport, but again, I'm going to have a little bias towards football because it's my sport and it's, it's what I coach individuals in. It's the athletes that I have on the program are typically football. So I'm going to keep a slight bias towards that when I, when I talk about this. So the first thing to think about is the difference between the off-season, the pre-season and in-season. So off-season you could classify as when you're not playing football, when the season's finished, when everything's done and you get to go on holiday. There's not any training that's required to be done. And at this point, you'd probably recommend someone has a break. Like, again, I like to use the example of, say, for, well, you could, you could use the example of many a player, but like, so like Trent Alexander-Arnold, He's played 
in well Liverpool have played in every possible game they could have played in this season which is pretty mad um, and Trent's obviously playing for England as well I think he's played 49 times for Liverpool and then he's played like Nations League games he's played I'm trying to think of and obviously there was the Euros that was just last year and then he's obviously going into Nations League's Nations League games now um, and then it'll be by the time he's finished that it'll be like a couple of weeks break and then he'll be straight back into the season again and then he'll go into a World Cup um, so not everyone has the has the benefit of having like a month off in the off season so if you compare Trent to like I suppose you could tr- compare him to me my season last season he's probably going to have played like 60, 70, 70 games in a calendar year probably even I'm trying to think it might yeah, 60, 70 games in a calendar year, whereas I've probably played, played about like 36. Um, obviously, I play junior football, trying to play for Liverpool and plays in the Champions League. Slight difference, um, just a little bit. But we obviously need to take the considerations of a footballer differently from the level that he's playing at. If you're playing pub league, you're probably going to be thinking a little bit differently about this. If you're playing pub league and amateurs, you may be thinking about what you're doing in the off-season and what you're doing in pre-season, or you might not. But as the levels progress, there might be a little bit more of a serious kind of aspect to it. You might be taking it a little bit more serious and you might be wanting to squeeze out like every single 1% that you can. Um, but yeah, like, and to touch on the off-season as well, like I think it's always important that you realise you have been playing a, a long season and have you been going far in the cup or you've been just generally playing a lot of games and you've been tired and you've had a lot of injuries you need that time to rest. Like I would definitely recommend taking about a week off, like take a week off, just allow your body to fully recover, do some light stuff if you want, some light runs, some light gym sessions, but allow your body the chance to just like almost fully heal. Just imagine if you pulled some ligaments or something like that, like just allow yourself to rest, do what you would do if you were injured, just taking it easy, walks, swimming, stuff like that. If you still want to stay active, do something like that. But it's always a great opportunity to then go on holiday and take a little break. And again, especially if you're playing at a higher level, it's take the opportunity to get a break. And it's it's not just physically that you need to think about it, it's mentally. Like having to be at the top of your game, even if it is juniors, even if it is semi-pro, having to be at the top of your game week in, week out, will have a toll. It will take shape in like systemic stress. Like generally just, it'll build up over a season. And a lot of the times that's when we get injured, when we actually go over the threshold of that stress. Like we're just too under-recovered, we're too stressed out and we've just done too much. So take an opportunity, get on a holiday, take a little bit of time off and realise that there is more to life than football. At times, there's more to life than football, although it may not seem like it. Um, Take the chance to actually rest. And obviously when you're then comparing, let's kind of dive in a little bit deeper. So when we're obviously thinking about off-season, pre-season, in-season training, you've firstly got to like obviously understand that players are different. And I touched on this already, like as I mentioned about Trent versus me versus a semi-professional footballer playing for four for our growth, something like that. Um, the main differences are going to be like the higher up you go, the more professional staff and the more professional help that you're going to have. Even in the championship in Scotland, you're going to have recovery shakes. You're going to have someone doing your strength and conditioning work. You're going to have statistics on how much you've run or the effort that you've put in through a heart rate monitor. You're going to have consistent analysis about the mileage that you did on a 
in a game or the amount of kind of minutes that you've played in a season, you're going to have someone managing the load usually. Like, so say, for example, you play Tuesday, Thursday, and then you play on Saturday as well. So no, say, for example, you've played three games in the space of 10 days. The way that your training is is put out is going to look a little bit different. However, if you are, say, for example, training with an amateur team or training with a junior team, that same consideration may not be taken. You may still be then just jumping straight back into a normal training session and you may go and absolutely smash yourself in that session doing doing coffin runs or something like that. So obviously, the higher up you go, the more professional help that you're going to have, the more kind of guidance that you're going to have in what you could be, what you should be doing, and what you shouldn't be doing, and the amount that you should be, the amount of effort that you should be putting in. Um, and I think obviously nutrition's another one as well. Like you'll have professional help with your nutrition. The higher up you go, I know even at Dundee United Youth System, Dundee Youth System, um, obviously ones that I'm familiar with, like the young guys in there are getting support on pretty much everything. Um, pretty much everything that they do as a footballer, um, they're getting support on. So my thinking is, obviously, I'm dealing with a lot of semi-professional footballers, a lot of amateur footballers. My idea and essentially what I kind of work my plan around is, and I'll state this as well, I don't only work with footballers, but my kind of thought is, is trying to bridge the gap at a budget price, trying to bridge the gap as you operating like a professional footballer but also taking into consideration all the things that come with being a semi-professional footballer. You're not full-time paid. You're not getting all this professional help. You're not getting things handed to you on a plate. Um, you're not literally, you've not got all the tools there that you need. So you need to be pretty self-sufficient. You need to be able to make decisions for yourself. So the way that I'm operating with footballers just now is I'm basically trying to bridge the gap between them being a semi-pro and a professional. I'm not telling them that they need to go and be a professional footballer i'm giving them the tools to operate like a professional footballer hence the nine to five athlete um so obviously then the considerations you need to take when you're a semi-professional are your work your job your family money time your level of fitness in comparison to someone that is playing at the top you get home late from work you've not got time to then go and you've got to pick up the kids you've got to take your young guy your young guy your young lad to football You've then got to try and train yourself. Um, if you're at a professional team, you've kind of got that. You're going to be doing that during the day because you're not away doing your full-time job on a building site. Obviously, family, they're going to probably be of higher... Not It's not that they're going to be more important to you than a professional footballer. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just that you're going to have to lots of family considerations that you're going to have to deal with. Money, you are not getting 10 grand a week as a semi-professional footballer. If you are... What club do you play for? Let me know. Um, I would be very surprised, but I'm pretty sure there probably is some, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, money is going to be a thing. Like, how can you now pay for a coach? How can you now pay to get the to get all the best recovery gear? How can you pay for heart rate monitor? How can you pay for all this really nutritious food? How can you pay for the gym membership? How can you pay for the coaching program? Like, it's all then a consideration. Um, time again it just kind of time relates to work and your job as well like actually having the time to be able to implement a training program like this is is not easy and it's going to take a little tiny bit of sacrifice from other aspects of your life so that's definitely something to consider um so now i kind of want to jump into the individual sections of the season so 
we touched on off-season. Off-season is a time to basically allow your systemic stress, your psychological stress to kind of just have a rest, just basically calm down. Um, because if we don't, and we keep going, and again, I, I like to use the guy that played for Celtic this season, the young Japanese guy, Ryo Hatate, um, you could quite clearly see later on in the season that he was suffering from just basically burnout fatigue. Every time he stepped on a pitch, he would last 50 minutes. Now, I've seen him play when he's been fit and he runs about the whole pitch for 90 minutes non-stop. And that was obviously not a true representation of how good a player he could be. Um, watch this space. He will be unreal this season. Um, but he was quite obviously suffering from going into going straight from a season in Japan, straight into a season in Scotland. He had no off-season. He had no time to rest. He had no break. Players need a rest. That's why I'm worried about Callum McGregor because he's going... I'm sorry, I'm putting my Celtic hat on now. I'm worried about him because he's going straight from a long season at Celtic, probably playing 50, 60 games, to now going into the Nations League and then you'll be back in pre-season training before you know it. Um, and basically the things that can happen if you do not have this rest is... Is generally like burnout. People think of I'm burnt out as like I'm tired, but burnout can be pretty serious. Burn, burnout can could genuinely hospitalize you. And I've seen this happen to like bodybuilders and to footballers where they've maybe been like in an aggressive, like bodybuilders, especially when they've been in an aggressive deficit and they've been trying to lose loads and loads of body fat. But while they're in that deficit or while they're fatigued, they keep working. And it, burnout tends to happen when you keep working under fatigue. So you're fatigued you're sore, you're tired, but you still keep grinding through. And then it basically comes to a head and you can basically reduce your immune function. You can suffer from chronic fatigue. You can generally just wake up every single morning feeling tired and sore. Um, and there's every chance that this could happen. Like if you don't take a break from a really long, grueling season, um, I'm not like, it's very unlikely it's going to happen to a lot of you people that are listening, but it's possible. It's, it's possible. So it's always important to take that little break and not just keep absolutely knocking yourself into the ground. So we move from the off-season and then we're into pre-season. So pre-season, you could say, is the gap between having that little break and returning to... So you could call it pre-season, off-season could be the break in between returning to actual training at football. So if you're a semi-professional you're probably going to have and something I'm noticing anyway, a lot of teams are now giving out training programs for people to be doing um, during the off season slash preseason. So a lot of clubs have given them like four week kind of training programs. It's a lot of running. It's just basically keeping yourself ticking over. I actually, I, I do agree with this. I think it's a right, the right idea because not everyone is self-sufficient and not everyone wants to now go and run or do their own thing. Um, but I think it's important to obviously do some of this stuff yourself. So say you've got four weeks until you're going back to actual pre-season training when you're actually going to be running on a pitch. Um, it's important at this point, especially if you've got weaknesses or you've got constant injuries through the season or you feel like there's a quality you want to develop um, or you generally just feel like, right, this season I'm going to be fitter, I'm going to be faster, I'm going to be stronger, I'm going to be bigger or I'm going to be leaner. If you've got any of those goals right now during the preseason, I know we're obviously a little bit into it now. Um, this is an opportunity to now go and work on that. So can you get in the gym? Can you indicate what your weaknesses are? Do you have weak hamstrings? Do you have weak glutes? Where were the injuries that you constantly kept picking up? Did you keep picking up 
calf injuries? Did you keep picking up ankle injuries? Did you keep picking up groin strains? If you kept doing that last season and you do nothing about it in this preseason, guess what's going to happen again this season? Probably the same injuries. So the off-season into the preseason, that little transitional phase before you actually now go back into pitch work is a massive opportunity for you to now get into the gym or be biased and say the gym is going to be the best place to go. But if you want to do any sort of like prehab stuff or you want to genuinely just get stronger, then get in the gym, get some sort of plan put in place. Um, if you don't know how to do this, um, plug alert, um, I could help you. There's lots of coaches out there that can help you. There's even lots of free stuff online that you could genuinely find. Like just think about what the injury was. Okay, I kept getting a groin strain, groin recovery program. If you kept getting an ankle injury, ankle recovery program. Or if you want to get faster, type it to YouTube. How do I get faster as an athlete? You'll probably get a lot of the answers. It's just a case of shaping up the program after that. And again, a lot of mistakes that people make during pre-season is let's go and pound the pavement. 5Ks, 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 5Ks. People are obsessed with the 5K number. Um, I used to be as well. I just thought like nailing a 5K was just something that was that was just the best thing I could possibly be doing. But the thing that you've obviously got to be careful with is if we consistently do road runs and if we consistently run on hard ground um, like, a, like a runner would, remember we're footballers, we're not runners. If you are listening to this as a footballer or a rugby player, remember you're a footballer or a rugby player, not a runner. The reason that runners are good at running is because they run all the time on solid ground. And what that basically does is their tendons, their ligaments, their muscles, their muscle fibers will adapt to that stimulus. They will adapt to the ability of being able to run on the road and they will get better at running on the road. And you will develop what you would call essentially, if you're running slow, and you're running, not slow, but if you're running over a long distance, over like 25, 30 minutes plus, you'll basically develop what you would call like slow twitch muscle fibers. And these are essentially like marathon runners, tri triathletes, people that run and move for a long time will have a lot of these slow twitch muscle fibers. And essentially this will allow us to run far, run far under fatigued. Um, but what it won't allow us to do is essentially be explosive, be really fast, um, and be able to take off and to jump and to accelerate. And that's what you would basically call fast twitch muscle fibers. So again, not going into this too deep because you could go into some sort of science lesson here, but we want to be able to be fast. We want to be able to be explosive. So the odd 5K is going to do absolutely no harm whatsoever. It probably will improve our fitness and in brackets. Fitness is obviously a, a big kind of statement. It could improve our fitness, no doubt about it. However, if we want to get explosive, if we want to get fast, we need to do things like we need to lift weights, we need to sprint, we need to be explosive, we need to go quick. So that is definitely something to consider. Um, how can you implement some actual training that helps you build muscle, helps you build, build strength, and helps you build speed? And again, we've, obviously, we want to do some work in the gym. That's probably what you want to start off with. But there's obviously nothing better than, than running on the pitch and actually doing something quite specific to your own sport. If you can implement the training plan in the gym, if you can get a little bit stronger, um, it's probably worth you making sure that you do get on the pitch before you jump back onto preseason. Because if the first time that you step on a pitch between the end of the season and the start of preseason, and there's like a six to eight week gap in there, 
when you step back on that pitch and put your football boots on, I guarantee you your legs will be in absolute pieces after that first session. Hence why you go and you feel like you're running in sand when you go back. It's because your tendons, your ligaments are not used to that kind of that fast movement or that absorbing this, well, if it's astroturf you're playing in, absorbing that ground, or if it's grass you're playing in, absorbing that ground with your feet. And something, this is a really hard thing to actually kind of put across because I have a diagram sitting in front of me and to be able to actually explain this diagram with words is very, very hard. But just imagine, imagine it this way. So throughout the season, you were operating with a litre worth of energy so just imagine energy as a as a liquid you were operating with a liter worth of energy and time and time again that liter worth of energy was not enough to allow you to play twice a week and train twice a week or play once a week and train twice a week you kept overflowing you kept getting injured you kept just waking up on a sunday really really sore because you only had one liter worth of energy and that wasn't quite enough for the amount that you were doing your work capacity was getting exceeded by the amount of work that you were doing. Therefore, you were overflowing. So what we need to consider now is in the preseason or in the off-season, how can we now take ourselves up to 1.5 litres? How can we now increase our work capacity? We can do it by doing some speed work, strength work, power work, acceleration work, gym work. Just literally, what can we now do to increase that work capacity? Because if we're able to increase that work capacity by getting stronger, by having a, a bigger kind of recoverable volume and then what will happen is we'll go into the season next season and we will be playing two games a week training twice a week and our work capacity will only then go to one liter and we've got half a liter left in the tank which means we'll recover better we'll be able to go harder in the next session and in theory we'll maybe be able to add a little bit of extra work so you're actually now going to be able to maintain a level over the season because you've got a higher work capacity so remember work capacity can be increased by getting stronger by getting faster by getting fitter aerobically or anaerobically and so that's something to consider try and increase from last season's one liter to this season's 1.5 liter and it's always going to be a benefit to you and you you don't constantly want to be sore you don't want to constantly be trying to recover Um, and basically what people do is they go okay i've only got this this small work capacity and I keep getting sore and they think the answer is foam rolling. They think the answer is ice baths. They think the answer is like just any sort of recovery intervention, these special shakes or something like that. And truth be told, it would have been better if you did some work in the preseason and maintained that work over the season. So what you basically need to now consider is what, how, how do I now shape up my training? I'll, give you a little freebie here like how to shape up a pre-season training program slash session so obviously you firstly want to think about what do I need to improve what was I getting what were the injuries that I was picking up what are the qualities that I need to work on what's my manager told me that he wants me to work on and what has he said that excuse me if you can develop that you'll be a better player that's kind of the first thing that you want to think about then you want to think about this is my opinion. This is not gospel. Um, this is just what I would do with an athlete. So let's say, for example, right now you've got eight weeks. You maybe don't even have eight weeks, but let's just imagine that you've got eight weeks. First off, I would start with getting in the gym, 
doing some high high volume, low intensity. So basically that what that means is high reps, low weight, strength work. So you're looking at squats, you're looking at, you could even do some upper body work, bench press, you're looking at deadlifts, trap bar deadlifts. You could literally be like lunge variations, split squats. Um, I'll basically state now as well, I do have a, a free program that I can send out if anyone wants it. You just need to hit me up after the, after the podcast on Instagram. Obviously, we want to be doing high volume, low intensity. So that's the main thing that we want to think about just now. Also, if you felt as if you were getting absolutely gassed before 60, 70 minutes, you may want to think about working on your aerobic base. You may want to think about just building the lungs up. How would we do that? How would we do that? Sorry, we would do that by doing some kind of longer bike rides, longer runs, generally just trying to build up a a good capacity. Then when you get beyond that work, four to eight weeks, I would now think about implementing some fast movements in the gym and some higher intensity work. So a method that works really good here is contrast training. So contrast training is essentially we're going to do high intensity, aka like a a heavy weight over, say, three, five, six reps. um, And then we're going to partner that with a power movement. So you're going to lift the heavy weight. So easy example is you're going to do a squat for five reps a heavy squat it's going to be about 80 80 90 percent of your of your maximum and then you're going to part you're going to partner that with a power movement so you could do a counter movement jump you could do a pogo jump you could do a box jump something that's going to mean that you're moving fast because as a footballer we want to move fast we don't want to just be low and slow like a bodybuilder as we get into the latter stages we might now be going into pre-season work. We might now might now be getting absolutely hounded by our coaches doing coffin runs, union jacks, um, 12-minute runs, bleak tests, whatever, whatever you want to call it. We might be doing some, some pretty, pretty nasty work. And I do believe there is a definite need for this to build that aerobic base and to genuinely just build a little bit of fitness. And I have no, no problem with that. Um, so at this point, this is where we might want to now really pull the volume back. So we might now be working at three to five reps. We might be working at lower reps. We might not be doing so much work in the gym. It'll be less taxing because we now obviously want to focus on um, getting fit and getting football fit and being able to get about the pitch and getting sharp. Um, but it's also important at this point that you are still including gym work because if you just ditch the gym work altogether, then all the benefits that you've built up over that kind of eight to 12 week period might then disappear. Um, So weeks one to four, make sure you're going pretty hard. You're doing a lot of reps, low intensity, not too high weight. You're obviously working on weaknesses. You're working on qualities that you want to develop Um, and then go to some more power work, higher intensity, more kind of short, sharp stuff. And then as you get into actual preseason training, there's obviously going to be more ball work. There's going to be more running on the pitch. So it's important that you maintain your gym work throughout this, but you might want to taper it back a little bit as the season begins to start and you start playing games. So next stage would be in season. And I'm going to basically polish this off. Polish this off. I think I've developed a lisp during this podcast. Um, in season, it's important to schedule. It's important to understand, okay, have a rundown of when your games are, when you're going to be able to train, when you should be going harder, when you should be going lighter, when should I be lifting heavy, when when should I be lifting light, when should I be doing a little bit more recovery work. 
Um, it's important to obviously have the schedule in front of you. It's important to also stay consistent because if you don't stimulate a muscle, if you do not stimulate um, a movement pattern, if you, well, not if you stimulate a movement pattern, but if you don't do a movement pattern, if you stop squatting altogether, guess what? you'll get weaker at the squat, your quads will get weaker, your hamstrings will get weaker. If you stop doing things altogether, it's just, it's pointless. We can obviously do less and maintain our strength, but we need to still be doing gym work. And personally, again, how long is a piece of string? It's completely different to every single individual, but if you can be in the gym two to three times of the week, say you train twice a week, if you can be in the gym two to three times of the week, then you should be doing enough to maintain that strength. And by maintaining that strength, you're creating robustness. You can, you're creating a resilience to injury and you're creating a kind of just a base strength that's going to stay there. So for some of my athletes, it might look a little bit like this. So dependent on the individual, dependent on the goals, dependent on the level, on average, it kind of looks something like this. So earlier on, earlier on in the week, they're going to be doing a slightly heavier day with kind of more of the lower body, the more taxing lower body work. Then later on in the week, they might be doing a slightly lighter day with still lower body work in there. Um, but they will probably have had a training session in between that heavy day and that light day. And then if they have the time and if they want to do this extra session, sometimes they'll have like a, a full upper body slash core session later on in the week reason being as it's getting closer to match day so we don't want to be operating under next to any fatigue um, as they go into match day you're obviously most likely going to have two pitch sessions and you're obviously going to have a game um, on a Saturday or a Sunday so the idea is to achieve the minimal effective dose that's going to allow you to maintain your strength if not increase your strength that you can definitely increase your strength over the season I've been doing it for the past couple of seasons not to any sort of amazing standard, but I've been doing it. So it's it's something that's obviously important to, to remember. Yeah, so in season, it's it's more than, you can be more than capable of maintaining your strength and getting stronger and still playing to a high quality of football. It's just the case of getting the programming right and making sure you're not doing next to nothing, but also making sure you're not doing too much um, and making sure that you're taking into consideration your fatigue and how ready you need to be for a fixture. Last thing was kind of like a question that I got on on my um, my Instagram yesterday, and it was how to avoid injury through preseason and generally just through the season. How to avoid injury, and generally, I think I've answered a lot of a lot of that already. And it's it's, it's training in the gym and it's making sure that you're doing you're not just stretching off when you get I'm tight now so I'm going to stretch off it's more a case of being proactive and doing the work before and making sure that you you are strong in the areas that you're weak so a lot of people get sore after football and they're like oh, I've got this tight thing or my hamstrings are tight my hips are tight I'm sore I'm this and that and the majority of the time they believe the answer is okay I've got to stretch more that's what I need to do I've got to stretch I've got to foam roll I've got to make sure that I go and see the physio before a game when I pretty much believe that that is not the answer. That is not the answer. There's mobility work and stretching and physio is always going to be something that some guys are going to need. But the main problem is not tightness, it's weakness in end ranges. So it's it's weakness in certain areas. So just imagine the last time you did a warm-up and you went to open the groin up or you went to 
do some sort of hip warm up and you're like, ah, that's tight, that's tight, man. It's tight because it's weak. A lot of the time the response from your body to make something tight is because it's weak and it's trying to protect something. It's trying to protect something that could be a danger of, of, of stretching or, or being pulled or something like that. So it's important that we indicate where we're tight and get stronger in those areas rather than just stretching the hell out of them. Because stretching, foam rolling, any sort of physio massage is a short-term fix. The long-term fix is to get fucking strong. Um, so that's something to, to consider. And being stronger, will it won't just help with non-contact injuries like strains and sprains and pulling muscles. It'll also help with contact injuries. So your ability to be more robust, to be stronger upper body, to have a stronger core, to have stronger hamstrings and quads will mean you win more duels, will mean that you're harder to hit, will mean that you're harder to push off the ball and will mean that you're less of a fairy. Um, so that's something that's obviously important to understand as well because you'll know, if you're listening to this, you'll know who you are. If you constantly get injured, someone literally touches you and you get injured, you overstretch for something and you get injured or you play on a bobbly pitch and you get and you get injured, it's typically down to you being weak. Um, I know that's sometimes hard to hear and I find that really hard to hear when someone, I asked a guy who's, he's a professional, well, he's a physio, and I basically asked him, was like, I feel like I'm just, I'm so tight in my hips. And he basically said, well, Ryan, do this exercise, do this exercise. Well, I can quickly see you're weak as shit in your hips and you're really strong in your quads. So do some work on your hips. And lo and behold, I was stretching them out every single day before that. Nothing was happening. Started doing some hip work, started um, doing some banded stuff. And yeah, I got stronger and felt better. And my hips felt totally fine since. Um, Copenhagen planks, if you've got tight hips and weak groins, uh, not tight hips, if you've got weak groins and weak hips, Copenhagen planks are the one, although they are absolutely brutal. Um, and the last thing would be, if you keep getting injured, it could also be down to overtraining. It could be down to doing too much. It could be down to trying to juggle about a million different plates, spin a, different, a million different plates at one time. You're running, you're in the gym, you're training three times a week, you're playing fives, you've got a labouring job. You could easily be overtraining. Um, if you're constantly sore, if you're constantly kind of feel like you're doing too much, overtraining is probably a massive one. And it's something that I've done stupidly for years. Um, and it has kind of, it's not plagued my career, let's not say that, but I have been, I've seen myself with sore hamstrings on a Saturday, every Saturday for a good couple of months and wondered what's going on here. I must not be doing the right stretch. No, it's because I was overtraining my hamstrings like mad, doing RDLs on a Thursday and wondering why I couldn't move on a Saturday. So a lot of things to consider there. I was going to touch on nutrition a little bit, but I think I've kind of done plenty of uh, plenty of podcasts on nutrition. So all in all, to kind of look over that in-season, no, sorry, not in-season, off-season, make sure you take a little bit of a break, a little bit of a break. And if you are doing anything, make it low impact, make it light, make it easy. Once you're kind of over the off-season, once you've had your holiday, get into the gym. Make sure you're more robust, make sure you're stronger, make sure you're more resilient to injury, make sure you work on your weaknesses. Then when you get into pre-season, you may then need to taper that gym work back. You may then need to be working a little bit less in the gym, but we can work at a higher intensity, just lower volume. And making sure we're going in, we're working hard, but we're just not in there for too long. We're not doing too many reps. And then when we get into the proper pre-season training, it's important to make sure that we maintain it. We maintain our gym work. We don't allow our 
or the muscles that we've been working really hard off the off season to just to just rest and to do nothing. Running at football is not enough stimulus for you to have really big, strong legs. I've heard it a million times. People say, "Ah, but I run at football. That's enough stimulus for my legs. That's a, my legs are strong because of that." It might well be true, but there will be certain weaknesses in there that you can most definitely improve. One thing with footballers is they're typically very quad dominant. The quads are really strong, but what's weak as shit is the hamstrings and the glutes. If you've never done any glute or hamstring work, go and set your back up against the sofa and go and try and do 10 glute bridges and squeeze your glutes as hard as you can. If you can't squeeze your glutes, then I would certainly recommend beginning to do some glute work because if you can get power in your glutes and you can get strength in your glutes, you're onto an absolute winner. You'll be able to run faster, hit the ball harder, uh, you could literally it's literally a massive improvement you can make over, over a very short period of time um, and then when you get to in season maintain it stay consistent taper back around heavy kind of congested fixture areas um, and just main thing is if you can get again plugging plugging myself but also plugging how beneficial it can be for a, a semi-pro athlete is to actually get someone to basically get someone in there to program in workouts for them or to program in their the work that they need to do around the season and just keep it keeping it simple for them and, and helping them kind of operate at their very highest level over a full season so that is me that's me finished i don't know how long that took but if you've listened to the podcast please share it on your instagram story it massively massively helps if you're playing for a semi-professional team if you're playing for a pro youth team if you're playing for an amateur team share the podcast into your group chat and tell them about how much of a blethering trick I am. Um, that would be massively helpful. Any shares are cool. And if you've listened to the podcast, drop me a DM and let me know if anything kind of anything hit home or you're going to actually implement anything that you've listened to right now. Thank you very much for listening. And that's series three done. So I will catch up with you guys in a couple of weeks after I've moved house and I'm out of this um, lime green office. <laughs>